Welcome to the 131st episode of the Nerdum Another Nonsense Anime Podcast. Today, we are back to break down episodes that aired in week four of the spring 2020 season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and the podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we spoil literally everything. Uh, my name is Bcom, and I found a coin that I gave to an alien who promised me I could turn into a powerful monster. It didn't fucking work out like I planned. I just turned into a cat girl. Thanks, alien guy. <laughs> uh, I'm joined by Cat and Leo, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, when, when you got there. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I just, yeah, I wanted to lead off this podcast with a somber note. I know we're all dealing with hard times, but this particularly hit me hard the other day uh, when I found the news that uh, Zach Birchie, uh, the executive editor of Anime News Network, passed away. Uh, he'd been with Anime News Network for about, like, I guess over 20 years, which is crazy to think about. Uh, and he'd done more than, like, most people in the United States to make anime popular in the West and also to make people like me think more critically about anime uh, than I used to. Um He's always been like a mainstay as the host of the Ancast uh, podcast over the years, which I've listened to like religiously for a long time. Uh, so I was just really incredibly saddened to hear that he passed away because uh, I looked up to him. Uh, he was a really good writer and a really funny guy um, and really passionate about anime. And I would say just like recently, his episode reviews of Keep Your Hands Off Azekin, which he was writing for the site, were really inspiring to read. <laughs> they were so good. Uh, so I highly recommend giving those a read if you want to know what he was all about, because he kind of gets personal uh, in those write-ups about what anime and the art medium that is animation mean to him, uh, especially in the, the last episode write-up. So rest in peace, Zach. Uh, and now on to nonsense. <laughs> okay. Such Leo, a quiet and solemn little note yeah, there. Yeah, right. it's, it's sad. Yeah. Yes. I've been good. They're uh, starting to open gyms back up and stuff like that. That's including the rock climbing gym. But uh, that sounds Ooh. like a nightmare. How are you going to make that one work? So they actually, <laughs> Are they actually making you wear a face mask? Because I saw you so- said that, but I don't, yeah, I don't but know then, how that's even... Okay, so this, this is pretty ingenious of them. So obviously there's a limited capacity that goes for everybody. Face masks, which is going to suck because they're hard to breathe anyways. And you're going to climb on a wall with a fucking face mask. Mm -hmm. Uh, That sucks. But I did find uh, one that's better than the ones that have been given us at work at the UPS store. It's a cloth one. It's really nice. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're also going to like space the routes on the walls a little bit farther apart. So there'll be less routes, but I'll still be practicing social distancing better. Uh, they have hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer stations before you start to climb. Uh, and they say you must use it before you get on the walls. But the most ingenious part that they, fa- that they have done is they found a company that has a chalk that is self-sanitizing. Oh, wow. So <laughs> if, if people don't know, when we're climbing on the walls, we use chalk on our hands. Because uh, when we sweat, it's like really hard to hold on to the pieces. Mm. So the chalk just keeps it off our hands. So... They're providing us with this chalk. They so that means every rock piece person is just going to be covered in hand sanitizer, basically. So like even if some like a hole doesn't use their chalk or or somebody who just would prefer to use their own, those 
rock climbing pieces are already sanitized. This stuff's on there. And like, it's kind of a <laughs> climbing meme that you just, by the time you're done climbing, you have chalk everywhere. Like if you, if you wear a hat, like I do to keep my hair on my face, like where I touch the brim to adjust it, it's on there. It's on the side of your pants. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. Uh, but that's really cool. So like, really that, that place is going to be super sanitized. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. Cause basically, I know, uh, oh, go ahead. 30 minutes after they've opened for that first day, every piece of equipment there will be will be sanitized. So. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah, no, I, I know regular gyms are opening up, too, and my gym is supposed to be open now, but it just seems, I don't know, like they have all these precautions, and I'm almost afraid to even go and see how ridiculous it's going to be, you know? Yeah. It's like, come on. They're going to be limiting people, too, probably, so you'll, there'll probably be like a freaking line out the door, then... Yeah, that I don't know yeah. how like regular workout gyms are going to pull it off. It just sounds like a nightmare. Oh, mm-hmm. I know. I'm almost like, please just don't. Please just don't have any <laughs> safety things in place because I, I don't want to see how ridiculous you expect this to get. <laughs> um, but I understand the need for safety. <laughs> so of, yeah, course, of course, I can't do nonsense without talking about Warzone a little. Oh yeah, yeah. But I just watched a video where somebody pre- dug pretty deep into what's going on with these footsteps in Warzone because sometimes you hear them. Sometimes you don't. So what's up with that? Uh, one big thing they found out that like he was inside a building and he was looking through a window and they, he was having his p- buddy run towards him and they were just seeing when they could actually finally hear the footsteps. So there's like no other gun fired, no other noise. And like it, it's got, he got really close. Like it's way too close for what like the TTK is in the game. Like if you hear somebody at that, you're dead already. It's, there's no mm-hmm. point. But he busted out the window and he actually got a little more distance before he could hear him. So they went and did that with doors. And doors, like, those you can't even, if they're closed, you can't even hear somebody until they're basically opening it. And then again, that's just too late. Uh, and then they were just kind of going out and about. And like like I said, they're just too close by the time you hear them. They're softer sounding than anything else. So like if you're shooting, if you're with teammates who are moving around, if you're moving around, if there's a freaking... Uh, airstrike coming in you just cannot hear other people they're the the footsteps are just too soft which is why sometimes it it feels like you it only works like half the time and that's Mm. kind of what's going on with it so like really what they do need need to like and he stood on an open road and had a guy run to him and he was like 10 meters out before you heard his footsteps and it's just that's way too close man you don't you're dead by the time you even know they're there so, like, basically, they need to put it out farther. They need to make the footsteps more pronounced. Uh, just stuff yeah. like that. So, that's what's going on with it. Okay. Well, yeah. It's, it's, they're making progress maybe soon. Hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. Because, like like I said, there's just, there's so many instances where it's just, like, it's, you cannot hear them at all. So, it's, like, totally pointless to even, like, have it in the game. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that is pointless. Yeah. It could just confuse you at that point. Yeah. So... Oh, well. you, you hear your buddy's footsteps and you get confused. I've con- I've been playing solo and for some reason my footsteps echoed louder and I thought there was somebody outside. Like it's it's they get, they need to do some work, man. <laughs> that happens to me a lot of games where like I hear my own footsteps and get creeped out. <laughs> I'm just like, oh wait, that's me. Never mind. Yeah, that happens way too often. I can see that, like especially if it's soft rain in the background or something, and all you hear is like boosh, boosh, boosh. Well, you're like, oh god, what is that? Well, they'll have like these like uh, like tent flaps and like uh, like a 
like a plastic tarp over something. And when you walk by them, they make a, like a noise, like it, like they're getting whipped in the wind. And it sounds almost exactly like somebody opening their parachute right over you. So you walk <laughs> past one of those and you go, oh shit. And you start spinning in the circles trying to figure out where they're coming from. And then you realize you're standing next to a fucking tarp. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's like something I hope they get better at in like this next generation of consoles. And I know they're working on it. It's just like directional audio stuff could be so much improved, even even over how it already is. Like in so many games, it would benefit games. Uh, so like, and I played a lot of Realm Royale, and I think they have the best footstep system that's hmm. in any battle royale. It is so so good. And yeah, they're not. It's and so that, important. They wasn't as popular as in, as most others Realm Royale. So that sucks. Not real. Yeah, it's too bad. I guess yeah. like people didn't like the magic part of it or whatever. I don't know. It's just abilities. But, yeah. Okay, so I watched a really weird anime. Uh, this just came across my radar because a friend note like mentioned that it existed to me, uh, and we decided to group watch it together. It's called Cipher. It is an anime from 1989. It was an OVA, um, and it's like about it's about 40 minutes long, um, and it's basically. One long music video with a couple of like weird interviews of the characters in between the songs. Um, the music is from like like Western artists like Kenny Loggins, uh, Phil Whoa. Collins, uh, like Foot- <laughs> Footloose is in there for a montage. It's pretty great. Um, I I kind of love this anime. The thing that I love about it is that they sent like a crew of like people over to New York City in like the late 80s to take a bunch of just like pictures of the streets and the buildings like the all the sites and stuff and they just like recreated that in the anime so the anime is this like weird time capsule of late 80s new york city uh which i have a lot of nostalgia for not that i was like in new york city a lot in the late 80s because i was like two uh, but in the nineties, it looked a lot the same as that anyway. So I remember that pretty well. Uh, so I'm just like sitting there like, Oh, like noticing like everywhere they're, they're like, uh, like doing montages at in the city and stuff. Uh, I have to say though, this is like one of the weirdest, most stilted animes ever, but it makes it hilarious. Uh, I think if you watch this, you will laugh your ass off at the very least. Uh, you might just be like sitting there with a question mark on your face a lot of the time as well. Just like, how did this get made? Uh, but I also think it's like strangely a beautiful anime because of like all the beautiful artwork they did for New York City. Uh, and like cinematography wise, it's like actually pretty cool sometimes. It's also just weird though. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I would recommend seeking out Cypher if you can find it. Uh, I don't know That's if it's actually streaming anywhere, though. But, yeah. Old anime is so weird. Like, sometimes it's very interesting, but then other times it's just a reminder of how much things have changed. Oh, yeah, for sure. The whole process is so much different now. Actually, I think Cypher is on YouTube. Uh, I think you can find it at, like, huh, wow. Cypher, the, Cypher the Video. If you search that on YouTube, it'll come up. Hmm. Yeah, so definitely check that out. Uh yeah, I talked enough about that. I'll leave the other anime I was going to talk about for later. I've been watching a lot of anime lately, so I'll just like to cover one per podcast, I guess. Oh, I watched well, no, this I... other one you you want to talk about. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I could talk about it really quick because I actually don't have much to say about it, and I have I got another anime to talk have it about on for DVD, next week. Actually, so I finally watched another, which is one of those like okay, whenever anybody asks, hey, what are the good you know horror anime that exist? Uh, another always gets mentioned in that like short list of what people consider to actually be horror anime. Um, 
I will say I enjoyed another as a comedy, <laughs> not as a horror. Uh, it is it is like a very much final destination. The anime. Did you, uh, were but, you able to predict who it was before it was over? Um. Oh no, I don't think I was. I think I was kind of surprised at the end. And a little bit annoyed, actually. <laughs> uh, okay. The ending is, yeah. Uh, man, there, there's so many parts of that anime that I was just like, my suspension, suspension of disbelief is not working on this. Like, there's a part where there is a huge raging fire in a room, and there's literally no smoke escaping from this room. <laughs> like, these people are like right on the other side of the door. That's and every anime, man. <laughs> I'm just like, do, it's do you, like they open the door. It's the most ridiculous raging do fire. Do you have ever. a fear of umbrellas and stairs now? And dolls. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Oh my god. That that scene. I think it's episode three. The umbrella on the stairs scene. Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> That was I felt that. <laughs> I definitely yeah, I, felt I did that. Too. <laughs> oh my god. I re- uh, I just yeah. sat here and re-remembered it and I got chills. I was like, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like a fun little mystery. Like I don't think it's like it's definitely not like a great anime, but it is fun to watch. Uh just, yeah. just don't expect something that's gonna like hold up like critically to like questioning it it's is, not. Well, inter- yeah. It is entertaining, yes. I've had this on my list forever, but I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, you would have fun watching it. I, I guarantee you. Like you would be I think you screaming would, yeah. at it a couple times, but uh, <laughs> you would have fun with that for sure. Okay. Well, I don't know. I've been watching a lot more anime this season than most too, just because I have more time. Um, not any older anime, mostly just more seasonal. Like yeah. I've got to catch up with, you know, art and Kakushiko and um, hmm. Kakushigoto. I, I actually, I actually caught yes. up on both of those in the last two days as well. I'm like completely caught up on those. Yeah. I'm caught up yes. with listeners, Tower of God. And yes, Tower of God. As why well, the, I'm the eighth sun one. I don't know why. <laughs> That's I, I actually did consider watching the eighth sun too, um, but it's just mm-hmm. uh, I never got around to. There is a scene in the eighth sun that I'm going to save for uh, when we get around to week six. Because then we talk about what we've been covering that just like blew my mind, and Cat would have been screaming at the TV, and Beacon probably just would have been laughing hysterically. Oh boy, <laughs> it is, it is something, man. <laughs> Dude, uh, Kakushi Goto is, is very good. Um, I, I really like how they have like sort of like this mystery about like what's going on in the future. When the, the daughter is a little bit older and she's trying to piece together things that happened with her dad. Ooh, my audio picked uh, up that thunder. Oh really? Uh, and uh, yeah, it every converse every time like the dad is having a conversation with the daughter, I'm just like, oh, this is so cute. Uh, it's Those just dark really nice. undertones though are so like I'm just like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is gonna happen to this dude? <laughs> See, that's the Why? one other anime I want to get caught up on that I haven't yet. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. It's like, but what is going to? What is going on? I, I don't <laughs> know. We'll see. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I've mostly just been staying inside, being boring and socially distant. Boo. Boo. Um, my neighborhood, though, there's like a weird cult of old people who have started <laughs> congregating in like the front yard area. Oh, wow. There's like a circle permanently er- like an erected of like lawn chairs, like 10 in a, in a circle. Oh, and God. they all just sit there. And like gossip about other people who live in the complex, and I'm just like, oh god, one day they're gonna get together and be like that annoying girl, and 
you know, apartment, whatever. Let's go get her. And, like, it's going to become, like, one of those cults with pitchforks or whatever. <laughs> Cat's front door breaks down. It's a bunch of old people. <laughs> yeah, like, we're tired of listening to your dumb music at 2 a.m. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, set fire to my whole place. We've seen know. you talking into a microphone every, uh, every week. Uh, we think you're talking about us. You're recording things about us. We know. <laughs> 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 oh, Inception. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a little weird to me. It's like it's almost like they got together and were like, people want us to socially distance. We're going to do the opposite. We're going to start sitting here for hours in a circle. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck all of that. We're old. We're like, going to die anyway. Like they have <laughs> anything better to do. I guess. Do I don't any know. of them wear a mask when they're doing this? No. Oh, they just it. sit in a circle. And, I, and I, honestly, like... Whatever people want to do is whatever, but it's it is amusing to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, cats at her window in her own lawn chair, just watching them. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Got to keep an eye on them, make sure they're not going to attack. <laughs> it's like a reverse Children of the Corn. Yes, yes. The elders of the corn. <laughs> Oh, man. You should go over there and start running, like, a bingo game or something. <laughs> like, Oh, I guess. Make some money off of this. <laughs> yes, yes. There you go. Kind of like in, in Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Give him some life insurance policies, you know. All the insurance. All the insurance. Yes, uh, yes. All right. Let's talk about anime. Yes. Let's talk about anime. Let's talk about Wave Listen to Me. Cool. Yes. Yes, yes. So... Okay, uh, Mi- Mi- Minare, I'm going to say Minare, that's yeah, how I want to say her name. Sure. It's kind of difficult. That's correct, um, that's fine. She wakes up, and Mizuho is getting ready for work and asks her to take care of the turtles as she's leaving. The adorable turtles. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but honestly, did you guys see that huge instruction sheet yeah. that she did? Like, yeah. It would have just been easier for her to fucking feed the turtles. Like oh, that, that, writing that out must have taken her so goddamn long. I was like, "Holy shit, girl!" <laughs> I don't know, but I guess if you want to train your new like servant to you know <laughs> do things, they have to do it once. And to her credit, like so. Minari did it also. Like she got it oh, yeah. right apparently. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So um, but yeah, uh, I, I really liked the comment that she made where she's like. Turtles eat food from the same water they shit in. It's exactly like politics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like specifically, I think they specifically said Japanese politics. Like, yeah, they well, were but, dabbing but, on Japan. Know, yeah, politics it's, it is politics. Applies. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty accurate for the American political system. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, she comments to her restaurant friend that she needs sponsors for her show, and it's cute that he's gonna he tries to donate. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna help you." So she calls this, you know, the 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 director guy, and he's like, "Well, really though, it would take like this astronomical figure. I think if you if you round it out, it ends up being like seventeen thousand mm. um, dollars, and for a month." Yeah. Yeah. Per month. Oh, I want to go back a little bit. So Mizuho left uh, Minari uh, breakfast and she eats it and she's like, it's so good. I would marry her and I would make love to her every night. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> well, it was funny, but it's also like, but no, Minari, you're not going to become a lesbian and start fucking this girl. 
<laughs> she kind of wants be, to. Becom's like, no, but I, but I want her to. Yeah, no, be quiet, like, cat. You're right, though. They, <laughs> they presented that in a way where it's like, oh, it's this cute fantasy, but like, no, that's not going to actually happen. Like, yeah, I yeah, agree. this is not that sort of anime. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I don't know. In, in this scene where she's talking on the phone with him and he's telling her about the seventeen thousand dollars a month to produce this show, I did notice some of the animation was lacking. I don't know if you guys noticed that as well. Yeah, at times the show definitely doesn't look great. I'll I'll admit that for sure. Yeah, I was there was like a distance shot where they were yeah. you know just frames of them, and I was like, oh man, that is that is yeah. Rough. But it's not really an action show, so it's not that important. I wasn't yeah. upset. I, I still like the show a lot. I think it even has its own unique style with the circles and the eyes and everything. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. you know for me to notice that it's bad, it usually <laughs> has to be pretty bad. Yeah. So, um, anyway. So Minari, uh, Nakahara implies that maybe this radio show is porn related. And so Minari shouldn't be gullible and fall into risky business. <laughs> he also talks about falling for her. Like, so I guess that's definitive now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's kind of, I don't know what to think of him. Cause he's like, Oh, I'm so in love with you. But like, he's very casual about it too. I'm just like, Okay. I think he's trying to act cool about it, but like, yeah, he is like totally in love with her, I think. Yeah. And then Nakahara gets a call from his boss who got in a car wreck and he has to take over the business while the boss is in the hospital. And that also means that Minari gets her job back temporarily, which is so shitty to me. Like, if you're going to fire someone, just fucking fire them. Don't be like, oh, but I got in a car wreck so (laughs) you can have your job back for a couple months. Like fuck off! Well, I don't you think fired me. Yeah. Yoshi, Yoshi uh, Takarada didn't make that uh, decision. I think it was Nakahara. Like he basically asked Minari for help. Yeah, I guess since I guess since like Nakahara was just basically running things at that point, he had the opportunity to just bring Minari back. Like, well, yeah. I mean, basically who else would Takarada know the say. restaurant well enough? I'm just yeah. saying that it's a shitty position for Minari to be in. Mm. Is all I'm saying. I agree. Um. Yeah. And apparently her replacement got run over, too. <laughs> I'm just like, aw. <laughs> um, and, and Nakahara, like, the whole time that they're doing this shift, he's kind of weird and creepy to her, like, in a sexual harassment type of way. Well, he like, has, like, a little fantasy going on in his head. It's pretty well, funny. Oh, it's like we're husband and wife. If you, you know damn well, Leo, if a male colleague of yours came up to you while you were working with him and was like... Ooh, it's like we're married and we're doing all of this work together. You'd be like, leave me the fuck alone. Did you say a male colleague? Yes. <laughs> of course, because you're not interested in it. Uh. So, um, but yeah, so he needs to let that go. Like, I'm not saying it's the worst thing he could have done, period. People do stuff, but he needs to learn, like, maybe not appropriate. Also. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they're really busy because they only have two people running a restaurant that usually three people run it. Um, and then, then there's like this weird tidbit on the side where he's like, yeah, the guy who helped us during the festival had some weird epiphany and went to Tibet to study medicine. <laughs> I really mm-hmm. liked that. I don't know why it just really <laughs> cracked me up. <laughs> I, like, I was like, <laughs> is it something that Minari did? Like what? I, no, I, I don't odd. know if it like relates to anything. It's like just one of those random non sequitur jokes that I really just enjoy. It, it was but, like, all right, we yeah. need to get rid of this guy real quick. Just make something up. Yeah. yeah. Part of me thinks it's like a random joke, and part of me thinks they're going to bring it back in some 
bizarre way later. But either way, it's a funny little tidbit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then Nakahara just keeps being weird, and he tells her, like, well, it's not like you're pursuing anything serious, whatever. You're just kind of going along in life. And he keeps sort of being all flirty and weird with her. So she gets really offended, and she slaps him. And then we get a view in his mind of like what he thinks is going on. And it's just her being like, I'm slapping you because I can't admit you're right. And like, it's like, no. <laughs> oh, I was so pissed off during that scene. I was like, you're an asshole and you don't even understand. Um, I don't know. And, and then they, he talks about how he really likes her because of all of her qualities and stuff. And, and tells her about this, like, remember that time that, you know, this kid ate spicy curry and, and you were explaining to him the three worst selling items in the store. And I was like, I have no idea what this story is about, <laughs> but it's bizarre. Did you guys get what they're trying I, to I say? I mean, it was cute. Like, it was like, it was just, um, wait, what was she saying? I, I don't know how she was explaining to the kid, but she was make the kid was having a bad time. And so she's like telling them like about the three worst items in the store or on the menu and like making it out to be like a really funny thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh no. To, just no, no to, to compare them to legendary Pokemon. That's what. And oh, then the kids started okay. laughing um, and she, uh, and she was having a great time. And then like somebody, the uh, restaurant owner, whoever came over and was like, this is very inappropriate. <laughs> I think, I think the issue with me being confused is really about Funimation and the way that they're subbing it. Once oh, okay, again, yeah. they're not they're not making it very easy to because I watched that over five times and I was like, I can't tell what's going on with this story, <laughs> but it's clearly supposed to be some kind of cute story. Yeah. So if you can't figure it out five times watching it, there's probably probably a dubbing thing that needs to be fixed with that. Mm. Um, once again, Funimation needs to step up their game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, basically, the Minari is like. She does this really weird thing where she tells Nakahara that if he gets his own restaurant by the time she turns 30, she'll work there. And she basically is like, I'll stay alone until then. Like, she's <laughs> almost saying she won't date for four years mm -hmm. to see if he can get his own restaurant. That's a like, huge imposition. I don't even I know what like she, she was thinking. I feel like she just kind of said it to get him to let up for a while, <laughs> just to buy her some time. Maybe maybe she like half is like, well, if, if it works out, it works out. And if not, then I'll just keep trying to find people. Wait, I, don't I don't know. I don't think she ever said that she was not going to date for those. No, that she time. said, I'll yeah. wait alone. Yeah, but she's lying, then. though. She's fucking lying. Like, I'm with Leo. <laughs> well, she she's could just be lying. Time. Okay, yeah. but like, considering what happens later in the episode, she could be lying or she could be serious and be like starting to kind of be like, well, maybe I do like him. And we don't really know. I think it's just one of those promises that you make to get somebody off of your back so they have like a goal that they could strive for and not annoy you anymore. Yep, yep. <laughs> maybe. exactly. Yeah, maybe. That's how, that's how I feel about it. Anyway, the sister of the guy who ran over her boss and the other employee come to apologize. And her name is Machi. And she offers to work there until they both recover without pay. And this really helps them out because they don't have a third person and they need a third person. Yeah, they're working their so, asses off with just two people. <laughs> yes. Um, so I don't know. They all go home. Um, Machi has... I didn't quite get this part. She like is looking for the key. She reaches into her pocket and then she's like, oh, I have the key. And she's concerned, I guess because her roommate then doesn't have the key or something. I don't know. 
Um, and this mm. ro- her roommate is with this guy who obviously wants to make a move on her. Motorcycle and he tries, guy. Yes, and he tries to kiss her, and she runs. Which totally so. does not seem like Mizuho's type. Yes, exactly. Um, and then there's a flash to when Nakahara asks where to drop Machi off. She says she doesn't want to go home tonight. There's something going on there. Yeah, that's just a mystery for now. Yeah. Uh, you find out at the hospital from the boss that apparently the two lost their parents when they were young and the boss plans only to bill them for treatment expenses. And I, at that point I was suspicious of her a little bit because like, how does he know that they lost their parents when they're young? The only way that he would know is if they told him. So that tells me that they went to the hospital and made this poor man feel really sorry for them so that he won't sue them for running over him with him in a car um i'm not saying that the story isn't true but she definitely kind of looked out for herself in a way you know what i mean yeah also i I can see that like everything in this story if you look at it from one point of view she could be just a nice person wanting to do a nice thing who's in an unfortunate circumstance but if you look at it from a more sinister view really benefits uh, Michiru or Machi sorry yeah. it really benefits her yeah I'm, and I'll explain I what think I mean she's, later like the way that they, they, she moves in like and starts to take over more and more yes. over the course of the episode like yeah it seems pretty sinister so, yeah so like later on the episode she basically she's been living in the in the uh, restaurant while she works there the whole time so she's really homeless and she's made this guy feel bad so that he'll not press charges. So to, And then she takes over his restaurant and gets this job and is able to have a place to live. So to me, it could totally be that this is totally her trying to be genuine. But I think there's really something sinister here. That's just me. Or could yeah, be. Anyway. I, I was definitely getting that vibe from her, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so... You know, it makes the boss feel bad. He's not going to char- press charges. Um, and then I also thought it was interesting. Machi asked a lot of questions about the radio station they play at the restaurant. Yeah. Yep. So something might be going on there. Um, and then throughout this episode, just like Become said, she starts to take on even more and more work. Like she, she starts to d- work and cook instead of just be the waitress. And she gets closer and closer to Nakahara and, like, wants to eat dinner with him all the time and all this stuff. She even, like, um, changes the menu at one point, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It gets, she, like, like, an item added. Tapioca, yeah. It's, like, tapioca balls or something. Yeah, like, fried tapioca fried, or something. Yeah, fried yeah. yeah. And, and the last straw is really, like, she updates the blog. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time, her roommate keeps reminding her not to forget about the radio show, not to get too wrapped up in Voyager mm-hmm. and forget about that. Um, and I think it's good that she reminded her of that, honestly. Um, yeah, one I feel day, like... Oh, oh sorry. Go ahead. You can. Oh, okay. I was just gonna say that I feel like from like a meta storytelling point of view, like them introducing this like sort of rival girl at the restaurant, who Chuya is now gonna focus on because they he drives her home every night. They they're working closely together. It frees Minari up to just care more about the radio show and not care about the restaurant as much. Uh, so I yeah, think that's important. And Nakahara arf- offers her to stay with them. He finds out she's been sleeping in the. Uh, employer or whatever like mm-hmm. it, minari like 
it looks like she gets a little bit of jealousy, which is like the exact same thing that happens in Sing when we get to that damn show. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's you know it. I think it just even feels ingenuous. Like you've been hitting on me this whole time, and then you switch so easily. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's so shallow to switch that fast. Yeah. Um, it is. Yeah. So it's a little interesting. Uh, but yeah, basically, I mean, even the way it happens, Minari goes back to the restaurant. She realizes she left a cake that she had in, in the fridge for her friend's birthday party. And she overhears this whole thing where Nakahara is like, well, I know you are you don't have anywhere to stay and you've been staying in the restaurant kitchen. Like, come stay with me. And it's obviously romantic and, and she, it really upsets her. And then as she's like ha- trying to deal with this in her head, she gets called by the radio producer and he's like, listen got you a show it's at 3 30 today and like it's going to be called wave listen to me and you got to come in and rehearse for it yeah so it almost immediately sort of takes her away from this terrible thing happening in her personal life and she gets to sort of you know focus, focus on, on that on which is good yeah. which is good for her it should be yeah oh i forgot um like in the very i think the very opening scene of the episode when she wakes up in mizuho's apartment uh, and she doesn't know like where she is or like what time it is. They make a Walking Dead reference, uh, like we're in scene one of Walking Dead or like episode one of Walking Dead. Rick Grimes like wakes up in bed, and so they reference that whole thing. I thought that was really funny. Uh, it was cute that they did that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's interesting how this anime references like a lot of Western things uh, more so. They, they reference a lot of things in Japan too, but also like a lot of like Western media so far. Um, it feels like one of the more like aware anime I've watched recently <laughs> of like what's going on around the world, like media wise as well. So, yep, for sure. Uh, I did see that. It's a little bit more of a modern anime, and it's always kind of fun to cover those. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, should we move on to Sing Yesterday? Sure. Oh, yeah. Cool. Get that damn thing out of the way. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Episode four. Uh, so Rose taking like an art class and can't help but like compare himself to the other students who don't seem to be struggling as much as him. And then like at break, he goes to like the balcony and he sees Haru making a delivery. And it takes him a second because then he finally remembers that he met her the other day. She gave him the coffee or whatever. And the one, one thing I want to know is just that Rikuo is teaching the art class. No, he's not. That's yeah, he is. the teacher. No, it was Rikuo. It, it's not Rikuo. It looks exactly like him. Then. The teacher is looks very similar. God, and then you really? See, are, you, are you sure you, there's, there's you different see, people? And this is the teacher he interacts with throughout the rest of the episode. Okay, this may, this makes me bring up a point that I noticed, and I was hmm. actually watching this with a friend, and they noticed as well. A lot of the male leads, or like the male characters in this anime, looks too alike. Like, yeah. a lot of the characters are so, very similar in appearance, except yeah. for one or two and things. I think that's why Bcom made that mistake, because when I saw that in your notes, I really paid attention to it, and I was like, that's not him. That's not Rico. That is yeah, that I'm damn gonna, teacher. Yeah, I'm going to watch through the episode that, and, like, try to, dis- try to tell the difference between them while I watch. Yeah, like, I had to pause the show, like, four times, and we had to debate and try and look up and figure out which person was who. And you shouldn't have to do it that much in a show. Oh, I know. That means that I the had to character write the design. <laughs> yeah, that means the character design is not is not good enough. It's not distinctive enough. Yeah, they need to be more unique. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Ro ter- returns home to find Shinako making dinner for him because her parents sent her like too many vegetables or something like that. That 
I've heard that excuse a lot uh, in anime. Uh, and Ro is also taking the art classes because in second grade, he won like a drawing competition. And from then on, was always known as the kid who can draw. Uh, but he was always in his sickly brother's shadow. And the only time he ever got recognized or paid attention to by other people is when he would draw. So that's kind of where uh, he's addicted to it. And then this whole time while they're talking all the way up to the part of washing the dishes, Shinako keeps making comparisons on how Ro is like his deceased brother. And then he eventually he's just like fed up with this and tells her what's up. And she, he's like, you need to get over him and that he uh, basically likes her. And since they have uh, known each other for like so long, she says, I can only like you as a little brother. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, that, that whole scene, like I was getting frustrated with her because like, I understand that, Roe is one of the only people she can talk with about his older brother dying because he knew his older brother really well and he was around for all of this stuff. But at the same time, like, and well, it's good that Roe makes his feelings like sort of clear to her because she's like really hurting him by doing all this and like constantly bringing it up. Yeah. Okay. So Haru delivers some drinks to the art teachers and this is kind of the second time you get to see that teacher. And that's when I was like, okay, that is definitely not Rico in there in that first part. Uh, and she learns that like one of them, this is the guy that uh, he used to go to the same school as the cafe owner, uh, Kyoko, but it turns out he confessed to her at like their graduation and she just flat out turned him down. It's just kind of a funny little scene. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Ro also shows up to submit his form for the courses he is uh, going to take for the summer classes. And then Rose stops by the convenience store that Rico works at. So there you go. Rico is at the convenience store. That was the teacher at the teacher's lounge. <laughs> Since this <laughs> seems to be like, you know, 10 minutes later. Uh, so, and like the two just kind of bicker for a while. And then that's when like Haru shows up. And then she then recognizes Roe herself the other day. And she like begs Rico to take her home and like rose like oh so this is your backup and he's going to tell shinako everything uh <laughs> and then haru's like oh is this your rival and they're both like no <laughs> uh kino shito who has been ha- who has had to listen to this shit in like the back finally gets like fed up and comes up front and he's like grabs rico he's like come back here you need to uh do some fucking work i'm tired here <laughs> uh ro ends up uh walking haru home and he learns about her like dropping out from high school and he tells her Shinako doesn't like him and she tells him to hang in there like for her sake she's like as long as maybe he if he wins Shinako over then you know he she can have Riku for himself uh, and then like Haru's like okay we're close to us in my house I can make it here and like runs off and then like her crow Kansuke lands on her arm and <laughs> Rose like man she's weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's an interesting little conversation there yeah so, Ro, Ro has a couple more classes, and he comes home one night to find that his dad and Shinako have gone back to, like, his hometown for a while. And, like, he finds a note from uh, Shinako and, like, some curry in the fridge. He can warm up. And while eating, he remembers a time when Shinako told him she would go to the festival with him, but instead she just kept taking care of his brother instead. So, that was kind of saddish. And then at the house, throws dad and Shinako. The dad brings out a box of used old belongings and tells Shinako it's about time they moved on, but she keep something to remember him by. Uh, she ends up choosing an eraser, which is fucking cliche as hell for anime romances, with the word idiot written on it that you had hit her on the head with when she forgot it at one day. Uh, and then the rounded up row also decides he isn't giving up because she rejected, rejected him the one time, so he's still going to try. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I felt like it's weird that he's going after his brother's girlfriend. Old girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, especially by trying to be like his brother. That's even another level of well, he's not trying to be like his brother. Well, but like his brother did the whole art thing too. Like he to sucked. me, he sucked. <laughs> uh, and Rose is actually really good. It just seems kind of weird, and like maybe don't. I don't know. It just seems a little uh, unhealthy. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but yeah, I was looking at the episode. Like, uh, apparently, the way to tell the teacher and Rico apart. Oh, that's is why like, you got a little quiet there. I oh yeah, we I was like, I'm I thought so confused. we had lost you for a minute. <laughs> no, no, I was here, but like, the fucking art teacher has like a beard, and Rico does not have a beard. That is like literally the only difference I can see between their character designs. Yes, see, this is the problem. They have these character designs too similarly. They just really copy pasted a lot of them, I think, and then they made just slight Rico- adjustments. <laughs> Thinking them up a little bit and put a beard on them. That's all they did. Yes, because they didn't want to draw another character design, which I understand. Budgets are budgets, but you got to make it so people can see the difference in your characters. Because I had you like can't. changed my mind on Rico a little bit. I was like, oh, he's teaching art classes, like so he's like doing something like worthwhile. But no, apparently he's not. But then I was like, when when did when did we when did we find out Rico was an artist then, you know? Like, well, what? we knew he was interested in photography, right? When he graduated from college. But I, so I thought, oh, maybe he's, he could teach like drawing as well. So that, that seemed to fit together for me. And then like when Haru came to deliver food to the art teacher, I was like, oh, she's kind of bantering him. Like she banters with Rico. So this is definitely Rico. That is so confusing. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of blown away by how confused I was. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the last thing I said I wanted to say was that I thought the episode did a good job of showing you how haunted Shinako is by like Rose brother's death. Like, look him like when uh, the dad brings like that box out of the belongings and like she looks over him and like all these things remind her. And then like I liked that scene when she looks into the backyard and sees like like him before he died calling for her. And she like goes outside and she envisions herself as like high school version of herself, but then like realizes it's not her anymore. That's a really good way of just de- demonstrating like how haunted you can be by somebody passing away uh, who yeah. you're in love with. So that that was all really good stuff. But man, I thought that was fucking really cool. I can't get over that. Holy <laughs> shit. That's so ridiculous. Yeah, I thought about writing in a note like we do sometimes in bold, but I was like, I'll save yeah. it for the podcast. This is, this is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and it brought up a good point. Some of these fucking characters you can barely tell apart. <laughs> yeah, like I can tell like Haru. Uh, Haru I can tell the girls apart very easily. Yeah. And, like, but then like but, if yeah. Ro didn't have that fucking stupid safety pin in his ear, I could see <laughs> mistaking him for Rico also. So like, he he looks quite a bit younger, but like yeah, I, you're not you're not totally off base there. Like you could easily get them mixed up. I think they have different color eyes too. But like, God, yeah, and also yeah, the art teacher has different color eyes from Rico. Okay, I guess I should have known. Oh well, <laughs> jeez, that's ridiculous. Well, at least the in the next episode they introduce a new guy and they just give him one of those douche hats, so you know who <laughs> he is. Nice. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, we yeah. ready to talk about a villainous? Yes, I I love this show more and more each episode. It's pretty fun, uh, yeah. and they've finally gotten older now. So yeah, my next life is a villainous episode four. I enrolled in the magic academy. So <laughs> uh, yeah, Katarina's parents see her off, and she's leaving for the magic academy. When she gets there, 
uh, it's time to finally focus on this new heroine, like the main character of Fortune Lover, the game, uh, Maria Campbell. Uh, unlike most magic users, she is a commoner rather than a noble and wields extremely rare light magic. I guess all the, the magic in the world is like earth, wind, fire, water, and then light is the last one, which is very rare. Um, so Katarina has one of those like inner monologues inside her head about like how things have changed a little bit over the past seven years and how they differ from the game. Uh, just as a summary, like Giordo likes her rather than wanting to nothing to do with her like he did in the game. And mm. he won't break off their engagement, even though her like head wound that she got because of him has healed. Um, Keith isn't a playboy like he was because he locked away himself away in the closet in the game. Uh, but he still is very well liked by girls because he looks amazing. Um, Alan's musical talent has like blossomed because of like the way she encouraged him and his like inferiority complex is completely gone. It's been resolved. And the other funny thing is Mary Hunt isn't attracted to him. Nope. She's attracted to Katarina. <laughs> like, kind of like Sophia is as well. Um, uh. And yeah, Nickel is like apparently basically the same, but his devilish smile is like even more devilish apparently. So that's about it. Um, so at the entrance ceremony, we meet the student council president, this guy named Sirius Dieke. Dieke? I don't know. I really just want to call him Sirius Dyke. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's very, it's, I mean, it's close to how his name is spelled. <laughs> I also want to call him Sirius Black, but I, I won't call him Sirius Black. Uh, he has red hair anyway. He doesn't look like Sirius Black. He dazzles the girls in the crowd. Um, Giordo <laughs> invites Katarina back to his room. And funnily, like, Keith tags along because he won't leave Katarina alone with anybody else. Uh, and Katarina panics when Giordo explains that he met the main heroine of the game, Maria, as she was trying to climb a tree because uh, she was lost and wanted to get, like, a good vantage point. And having seen Katarina climb trees for, like, a million years now, he wasn't surprised at this like he would have been in, in the game. Um, and Katarina, though, is still worried that, like, oh, this signals the start of the game, so i got to be on my shit. Uh, so she gets even more worried when Keith is like, oh, I met Maria, too. And he, she, she freaks out. And she's like, did you hit on her? Uh, and, like, this version of Keith doesn't even know what that means. Like, he blushes. <laughs> he's like, you're crazy. Um Yeah, like, when she tells him what it means, like, what it means, like, talking to girls, like, or, or, like she tells him hitting gone girls means talking them into doing immoral things he blushes <laughs> like crazy um and so uh what else happens so katarina finds keith like picked up her handkerchief to return it to her like maria's handkerchief and asks like did you fall in love with her and he's really startled uh and that makes her think that she hit the nail on the head when she couldn't be more wrong uh, and she's like starts shaking him violently and like and saying she promises not to get in the way of him and his new love and all this stuff. And then Keith basically just like faints because he's overheating because he doesn't understand anything that's going on. Um, <laughs> it's very cute. Um, finally, Katarina runs into Maria herself and their eyes meet as they pass each other in the hallway. A very meaningful, long look uh, between them. It's very dramatic. Uh, they don't speak though, and they next see each other in class where Katarina is like so obsessed with Maria that she's like ignoring her professor. He like wizards her like no like textbook opens, like pay attention. Um, mm -hmm. 
So afterwards, Katarina is walking with Sophia and Mary when she starts worrying a bit about how her earth magic is so weak compared to other people. Uh, and Nickel shows up and tells her, hey, don't worry about it. Everybody's magic is different. Uh, we learn about everybody's magic here. Like Sophia and Nicole use wind magic. Uh, Mary and Alan use water magic. We already knew that Keith uses earth magic. And Katarina remembers that Jordo has like never used magic in front of her, but supposedly uses fire magic. Uh, though he killed her with a sword in the game. She <laughs> kind of like, like cringes about. Uh, <laughs> didn't even use the fire magic for that. Uh, so Katarina holds another one of her stupid strategy meetings in her head uh, about how to avoid losing to Maria. Uh, she realizes that, like, hey, Mary and Sophia are both, like, really beautiful and smart. They have a great chance of winning against Maria. Unlike me, who is dumb and powerless. <laughs> she has no idea she's wooed everybody. Yeah, she's, like, so oblivious to, like, how she's got everybody crawling in the palm of her hand. It's um, funny, because she's just like, I need to learn more about vegetables, because that will save me. And meanwhile, everyone's like, but we love you! Yeah. They come see her, like, cucumber and eggplant farm that she made out of, like, the school flower garden, and they're like, oh, that's so like you. Uh, it's ridiculous. Um, so at this school, high test scores decide who joins the student council. So like the top three are the same as they were in the game, I guess. They're Giordo, Maria, and Alan. Uh, and Katarina placed 80th, which is very average. Um, mm -hmm. And in the game, Alan noticed Maria scoring higher than him and became like obsessed with beating her. Kind of like how he had that inferiority complex that uh, Katarina basically took care of in this version. And so when Katarina asks him about being third, he's like, oh, I don't really care. Uh, winning is just to prove that you're superior, superior and I don't care about that. Uh, I accept that people are good at different things. And so it's a much healthier way to look at life. Um, and so a teacher has asked Alan to put on a recital at the school, piano recital. And he asked Katarina if she would come see it, if he was going to say yes. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'd be really happy. And he's like, all right, then I will do it. So he's, yeah, he's only doing it for her, obviously. Um, oh. Yeah, it's very cute. Uh, Katarina has started spending a lot of time around the student council office as well. Like, I guess presumably to make sure things aren't getting too far out of control with, like, Maria and all these people. But it's just funny that she's, like, forcing her way into the student council, basically. Um, she winds up talking with Maria for the first time. And Maria, uh, like, offers her some, like, cookies and pastries that were, like, a gift to the council. And this is where Katarina slips up and asks Maria, well, why don't you bring the sweets that you make to the council meetings? And Maria's like, how did you know that I make sweets? And she, like, panics for a minute because obviously it's knowledge from the game. And she's like, I think the school cook told me about it or something. Um... And Maria's like, oh, yeah, I do, like, borrow the kitchen at school to cook sometimes. <laughs> and so Katarina gives her, like, all this confidence on, like, cooking her sweets and all this stuff um, and how much she wants to try them. And so we get this next scene where Maria does cook, like, a bunch of muffins for the student council. And then she gets bullied by some stupid people, some other students who are like, these homemade muffins aren't good enough for the student council. What are you thinking? Um, and Katarina, of course, like steps in and saves Maria and tells these girls to screw off. Uh, and like, the funny thing is like in the game, Katarina was supposed to be the one who bullied Maria here, but it's like, changed because she's not bullying her uh they're, they're it's, friends 
It's so weird because they do this again in the next episode. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's going to continue to be like that, I, su- I assume. Like, just flipping things it's, on their head. Yeah. You know? There's yeah. only so many different things you can do with this, the storyline, I suppose. I also like that Katarina, like, ate every single muffin before she even realized, like, what was she happening. She has a problem with food. She's always <laughs> like, and now I'm going to eat everything, and then I'm going to be sick in the bathroom. And I'm just like, why? Stop. Like, yeah, not, not good. <laughs> Very not good food habit. Does Katarina have an eating disorder? <laughs> she's binging, I guess. Yeah, I don't she know really if she's purging. She really likes sweets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you guys liked about this episode or you, you're noticing about the plot going forward? Or I, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't know. It's like a feel-good anime. Like You watch it and you're just happy. You're just like, oh, yeah. yay. And It's a nice escape from bullshit happening in the world, but it, it's not mm-hmm. substantive. It's just like fun and nice. That's how I feel about it right now. Yeah, we haven't gotten to any like real conflicts yet or like real like sort of I don't know, quote unquote dangerous situations for Katarina. It's all just been like in her head so far. So I'm curious like if it'll get if they'll up the stakes a little bit as people start bumping heads around her. I don't know. Well in yeah, we'll see. a not feel good anime uh <laughs> Gleepnir. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly. Well I mean you, like it feels real good to get inside of Shuichi, you know. Oh uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would feel that way about it. Feels real sticky. Uh, episode four. <laughs> Arena Arena rips off Shuichi's head to reveal like a stunned Claire, and then Arena suddenly comes to and she's like horrified at what she's done to Sh- to a uh, Shuichi and then like Claire comes around herself and like charges a, a Arena with the gun drawn and then they just do the opening credits real quick but yeah. after that's over Arena just like effortlessly uh disarms and immobilizes Claire with ease uh Claire asks why she killed their parents and Arena says they were bad people their dad was apparently a legislator that was doing bad shit behind the scenes and her mother had an affair with a younger employee at her work but like, uh, are those good reasons to kill your parents <laughs> like well and then she also says that Claire used to say she would kill them herself yeah so I did. did it for the both of us since I'm stronger now that's still a little crazy like that's oh, just yeah. saying well everyone in this world's a little bad so it's fine if they get murdered it's like no it's still probably a bad thing to kill your parents. Probably. Yeah. Especially while your sister watches. It's probably a bad thing. Erin uh, yeah. asks Claire if she still has that coin, and she lies and says she doesn't, so she gives her another one and tells her to go to the abandoned motel by the highway and to make a good use of her wish. Uh, and then, like, Claire picks up the gun. She's about ready to shoot herself, but then Shuichi's severed head starts talking. He's like, no, don't shoot yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm alive. <laughs> and like she like the hammer is slowly being drawn back and she's like starting to put pressure on the trigger so she was gonna blow her brains out uh mm. so they hit up this motel and find a man sitting on the mattress and reading she asks if he can uh fix shuichi and he's like kind of looks at him and he's like yeah i can fix him and he asks for the coin because he needs the coin to fix him he puts it in the vending machine and out pops a drink and he gives it to claire and he's like okay have shuichi hold his head on and you know have him drink this and she's like how's that work and he's like nano machines blah 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 you wouldn't really <laughs> understand uh <laughs> like advanced alien technology basically is what it boiled down to yeah it's bizarre to me how he explains it because he's just like and i'm very happy Woo! i'm an alien a friendly alien i'm just like this is weird <laughs> yeah, so 
Claire gets out of Shuichi because she's like starting to overheat inside. And of course, it's all very seductive. Sexualized. Oh, yes. Uh, this Can't boy believe also- how beautiful your body is, little Claire. Is like the fucking alien guy <laughs> some says something like that. Yeah, so the boy also reveals that he's an alien as taken on the form of a human. Even so, he's turned on by Claire's body and asks if he can, like, touch her breasts so she, like, knees him in the balls. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> her, I enjoyed her kneeing him in the balls, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> he then uses a strand of hair he snatched from her when she kneed him in the balls, and he swallows it, and he then transforms into a naked Claire. What was cool about that is that uh, the his version of Naked Claire did not have her freckles on the face, so you could tell them he, apart. Sure. Uh, <laughs> well, you said cool. you said something like this may have meaning, and I'm just going to tell you you're thinking too far into it. Probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he goes on about how like how you could change your life and a bunch of like just other completely random nonsense that is not important to the show at all. Uh, he. He also reveals that he is the one that changed Shuichi, though the form he took was one that Shuichi himself like desired, like subconsciously. Which and is weird to me. Like, I wonder what specifically his desire was to become so that. He got that. I form always want to be a mascot. <laughs> no, he got that form because he wanted others to uh, others that could make up for his weaknesses, and that kind of translates to them being inside of him. Which is why he got the mascot, because then that's why he's so much stronger when Claire's inside him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, like, yeah, it's he he just wanted to borrow the uh, power of others to make up for his weaknesses, and that's just how his form. That's how he just formed. Uh, but yeah, but I was we- I was like unclear about because like it was it was unclear in this episode whether Elena was the one who made his form the way it was because she wanted to be able to get inside of him, or if he wanted other people to get inside of him. Like, I thought that was kind of still ambiguous at this point. I don't know. That doesn't get explained yet. Uh, Yeah, it does not. I had to be careful with my wording. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But Shuichi finally gets to transform back and like Claire is clearly relieved and hugs him. Uh, The alien explains that he and his brethren were on a trip, but since physical bodies are cumbersome, cumbersome on long trips they turned their minds into data and stored them on the coins like their usb drives basically uh but something went wrong with the ship and it crashed and all the coins were scattered and you would like them to join the other gatherers and searching for the coins also if they get 100 coins they can do something amazing like you would see in an anime or manga which he is like completely hooked on right now like he's saying like you could destroy like whole cities and shit like that like a superhero or super villain i guess yeah yeah uh, the two walk back and Claire talks about how meeting Shuichi brought meaning back to her life, which is eh, kind of important because she was going to kill herself. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go back to the school and after Shuichi bumps into somebody, they like try to make a big deal out of it. And Shuichi's like kind of like, I'm right. I'm done taking crap. So like he stands up for himself and when the guy tries to grab him. He grabs his wrist and fucking almost breaks it. Um, yeah. And the girls have also noticed that he seems to be acting different lately. And they're like, he's more like a adult now. And it's like, well, he has seen people killed now so uh and he met an alien and he transforms into a mascot so yeah <laughs> he's going through a lot right now it's like uh, those scenes in like the spider-man movies where like toby mcguire or like miles morales spider-man like come back and they are like buff and like the girls were like oh wow he looks so much hotter now yeah what he also ditches his glasses and he just tells everybody switch to contacts yeah uh but then on the rooftop he goes to he he meets up with Mifune, who wants to give him back his notebook that she borrowed earlier. And, like, he asks her, what would you do if 
you know, this is the last day everybody would be alive. And what would happen if somebody became powerful enough to destroy the planet? And she says she would basically be worried about everybody and would try to stop the bad person. And she needs, she's like, thank you. That's what I needed to hear. And he's like, kind of fortify his resolve now. And then the next day, Claire and Shuichi head to the mountains where the spaceship crashed to try to find some coins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shuichi was talking about himself on the rooftop there. Like, right. Like, if there yep. was like somebody who didn't care about anybody else, they could just destroy the whole planet. And he's, he just needed like this cute, innocent girl to say like, that would suck because my parents would die. Um, <laughs> it's like she he needed somebody to tell him like, stop this. Cause Claire's not going to tell him like Claire mm. is ready to just wreck shit at any, like the drop of a hat. So I think he needs, what's that girl's name? Uh, Nana, Mifune. Nana Mifune. Oh. Yeah. It's a like talk some sense into him in that moment. Uh, just basically ground him in normalcy for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like one one line in this episode that stood out to me was like when that stupid thing with the hair at the vending machine with the alien guy was happening mm-hmm. where he's like, oh, can I have one of your hairs from down there to Claire? And I'm like, oh, wait, God. what? And then Claire's like, they haven't started growing yet. And then she goes to Shuichi. It was Shuichi. a little disturbing. Yeah, I was like, all right, that's a weird thing to sexualize. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, then she like she says to Shuichi immediately, like, that's a lie. <laughs> like, it was just, it's just funny. It reminded me of that line last episode about like, oh, I'm a virgin, by the way. Like every once in a while, she just says like one of these completely out of the blue, like totally unnecessary, like sexual things, which I kind of laugh at, but I'm also like, oh, this is like trashy writing at the same time. Uh, I just it's thought I both. would mention it. I, I enjoy the perviness of the anime overall, mm-hmm. but there are times where I get annoyed with it. Like that was a time where I was like, come on, but yeah. mostly it's fun. Mostly I'm like, woohoo. Ooh, she's all wet and stuff. You know, that's fine. Oh, the other thing that made me laugh too was when all of his classmates are noticing that Shuichi looks different and somehow they don't mention the massive fucking scar on his neck where his head was severed. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly visible. <laughs> like none of them see that apparently. Uh, They're like, okay. oh, I wonder what it I'm like, yeah, no, wow. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That is just there and it never comes up or <laughs> is a plot point or nothing. It's just, I don't know. They just it's forgot about it. I guess. Basically, oh, well. that and that that gets worse the longer this goes on. <laughs> All right. All right. Anything else on this episode? Nope. Let's take a break. Nope. All right. Yes. We will be right we'll be back. back. See ya. The Trash Pandas bring you this nugget from another trash can. What happens when Brains and Bullets discuss episode two of One Punch Man? Pretty much gene splicing heads. They will oh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, they will splice genes. They have a a cyborg gorilla. They have <laughs> frog that walks on two legs and communicates at long range. Like they got you think it they splice the Lion King? Yeah, they they have the lion they have a <laughs> lion beast <laughs> king. And <laughs> Simba. Yeah, he's <laughs> Simba. I don't mean he's <laughs> Simba, I mean he's <laughs> Simba. We at Trash Pandas Watch Anime dig through the trash so you don't have to. You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we'll get live updates from what we do. Hey, dude, you into anime, manga, and all that radical stuff? Oh, yeah, man. It's tubular. Then you should totally check out the... 
This transmission has been hacked. If you want discussions, debate, reviews, and all in between, you must listen to the Anime Radicals Network at www.animeradicals.com. There's timely reviews, revolutions, mecha, and much more. Find it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all podcast catchers. The Anime Radicals Network. The revolution will be simulcast. All right, we're back, and we've got Fruits Basket second season to talk about. Yes, okay. Good job so. shortening this, cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, it's a short... It's not an episode that has a ton going on. It's just the one issue. So to me... That, yeah, that was that was my take on it, too. It's like, this was kind of a slow episode with like not that much happening. Like, look, yeah, it's just, the, it's just this one thing. You guys have told me yeah. it gotten better. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck are they talking about? It this did is get the better exact last same season. Thing. It, it, got, it got way better at the end of last season, and like, then this, they've started slowly in the second yes, season. Yes, I don't know why they do this. They, they like save all the exciting stuff to the very end, and yes, it's exciting at the end to have things, but you're not going to get people to continue to watch if you do all this slow bullshit at the beginning, because people are going to get tired of it. I don't Me, know why to, they always yeah. do this. <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, this episode feels like the the first episode of like a two episode arc. But still, like this first episode of that arc was kind of slow. So yeah, yeah, I I don't. I think it must be that they've decided Fruits Basket is big enough that they can be slow and people will stay watching. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um. So this episode, uh, the the sheep guy Haru visits his girlfriend named Rin in the hospital, and she is also um, the hottest character animal. in the show. Yes. <laughs> she's pretty cute. She but says, she's not feeling so great, though. <laughs> yeah, she says she's tired of him and breaks up with him. And then she, like, throws the flowers he got her and breaks the vase they're in. Do, do it, we know how she shitty. got injured? No, they haven't no. talked about it yet. Okay, okay. So, I didn't know. Something happened, and I'm sure it has to do with the Soma family. But they aren't—they aren't saying what happened to her and why she's Shrouded in the hospital. Shrouded in mystery. Yes. Yes. I, I have a feeling it's similar to all the bullshit that you, that happened to Yuki, and all mm. of that. Just saying. Um, the class. Then it cuts to the scene of the class discussing their school trip. Um, they're going to go to Nara and Kyoto. Very standard, as yeah, as everyone super standard. says. Very standard. Yeah. Very standard. I'm like, okay. Um. Momiji came in to tell tell them Haru went black and is going on a rampage, but forgot when he showed up, like what he was gonna tell them, and just spend it spent a whole bunch of time talking about the school trip. <laughs> and then was like, oh fuck, by the way. <laughs> by the way, there's a crisis we should probably go handle. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, all right. Um, and he's destroyed a fuck ton of things in that classroom. Um and I thought, I'm like, come on, how do you break a window like that by yourself? That's pretty... You throw the desk through it? <laughs> well, but, okay, have you ever tried to purposely break a window? No. No, but it's I've not... seen one easily broken on accident. It's not easily broken. Like, I think you'd be surprised, especially like a industrial window, like for a school. Mm-hmm. I think you'd be surprised how resilient they are. <laughs> Yeah. So to me, I was like, I don't know about that. This is adapted from the manga, right? The manga is yeah. fairly old, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it may have been w- like the windows before industrialization. Yeah. yeah. Before windows that. weren't as strong. I love it. Well, no, it, that also, is true. He is an ox. Like literally, he's an ox. He is as strong so. as an ox. Is what you're saying? <laughs> I like how this is yeah. so boring. We start talking about windows. Well, you got to talk about something I mean, in this episode. You know. <laughs> um, and, and then they they make a lot of comments like, "Oh, is Haru the darkest of the dark today?" And I'm just like, this this is so, is weird and comical the way they're phrasing. This. Oh God! Yeah. Um. Anyway, Haru points out that Kyo is showing off in front of Toru, and like when Kyo is trying to like yell at him for going black and making all this damage, um, they almost start fighting. The teacher dunks water on both of them to stop it. Uh, Momiji <laughs> points out that he's been really moody and sad lately, and maybe something happened. And Haru goes to leave, and Yuki goes after Haru, who went to go clean the classroom that he had just wrecked. Mm-hmm. But the girls in his class already cleaned it, except the giant broken window. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yuki rants about how he doesn't express his emotions. Um, and honestly, like, first of all, I was kind of like, why are you, are you ranting about yourself when you went to help Haru? But I guess there is a point in, like, trying to be, you know vulnerable with someone so they're vulnerable with you yeah i think Um, that works sometimes yeah haru is like hey you're not selfish because someone selfish wouldn't have come after me but i'm just sort of like well but then he talked about himself the whole time (laughs) (laughs) so i don't know i guess it's it's all you know balanced whatever um and then so basically haru got dumped by ren and they kept it a secret when they were dating, so at least there's not any public backlash. But the way that she did it was, like, so harsh that it's just really... He's not able to get over it. He really still really cares about her. He's not really sure why she suddenly changed. Um, anyway, he, Haru finally does leave. His mom comes to pick him up. Um, they, they show some, like, stuff where Kyo is practicing in dojo class and keeps thinking about the bracelet... And mm-hmm. about uh, Toru seeing his true form. Yeah, yeah. I liked that the, this like sort of montage as like um, Toru's at home like preparing dinner by herself, and like it cuts to all three of the guys from the house just like showing how they are trying hard like to change. Like even Shigure like actually email emails his editor for once. That poor editor, <laughs> like <laughs> instead of her having to like tr- like chase him down all over town, um, and like Yuki like. Yeah, like you're about to say, like Yuki going to the Soma State is really impre- impressive because he's really facing his fears and reaching out to people. Yeah, no, um, Yuki decides um, that he wants to go visit him later after he, like, they find out at school basically that Haru is being suspended for a while and he won't be at school. Hmm. And um, Yuki's like, no, don't worry, it probably won't be too long. He didn't hurt anyone, but he still wants to talk to no, him he before just he goes back to school. He destroyed the shit out of school property. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he does go to the Soma estate, even though he he even avoided like the New Year's festival. He goes for his friend. Um, he has some PTSD on his way there, um, and almost doesn't make it. And, and someone, one of the like elders makes a big deal about him being there and is like, Oh, we're so happy you're here. And I'm just like, fuck off. Like, leave him alone. Yeah. We don't really know who that woman is. Like just this elderly woman who's like, Oh, Yuki, where have you been? Akito's just been so upset. Rando person from the family. I think I don't think it really matters. Yeah. Like anyway, when show, he gets... hmm? the show doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you, Leo. It does matter. Fruits basket <laughs> is a classic. Um, 
Anyway, Haru's been gaming for hours when he gets to Haru's house. Um, he says that like he's not upset about it anymore. Um, and he's not giving up on Rin. He's going to try to see if they can get back together. Um, Yuki's like, well, do your best. And obviously you don't need me cheering you up. Um, and as he's leaving, Haru encourages Yuki to call Toru by her first name and sort of be more intimate with her. And Yuki's embarrassed that, you know, Haru's figured out that he likes Toru. Um, and then there's just at the end, some quick shots of other characters doing stuff. And then a new character like posing. And mm-hmm. it was just kind of a weird way to, to end the episode very casually. Um, yeah. It felt like in the middle of things, basically. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like like i said just like not the greatest episode of fruits basket but yeah. uh it is setting it's setting up things and like certain people are starting to come around like the most impressive thing to me was just, just like yuki going back to the soma estate by himself after and, all like, of that yeah yeah i, I uh, thought it was a was needed impressive. episode it's just it's weirdly paced but i think yeah, a lot of stuff sure. in fruits basket is weirdly paced it's it's a slow manga they're trying to adapt it as fairly as possible i get it also they didn't try very hard to make that video game on soma's screen look very good <laughs> like, it looked like some <laughs> jank version of like dragon quest or something i don't know it was funny i was like what is that <laughs> very true oh man that's oh, funny okay now a show where there is never a dull moment <laughs> are you Another kidding vi- it's a it's a show that is a video game the, the only <laughs> thing i remember from this entire episode of princess connect is that there's a llama girl in it now. <laughs> That's all I remember. You like got, everything else. You attached on that so fucking hard. <laughs> I, I was just like, what is happening? Why We're is this person pr- a Princess llama? Princess Connect Redive, everybody. <laughs> I don't even, the, the rest of it is like blacked out PTSD style. I don't know. I just remember do, the llama. Wait, uh, Kat, do you remember the, the bird girl from Shield Hero, like Philo is her name? Like the yes. little chocobo girl? This is That's who this reminds me of as well. <laughs> it's like the same, same character, almost like <laughs> same thing. Okay. Okay. We haven't got to her yet, but so let's start. Uh, they get to the new guild home, and after opening the door, they see that's like, uh, it needs a lot of work. It's pretty, it's pretty much trashed. And then they just do like a little cleaning montage. Uh, Carol does some dusting, Pecorine and Yuki carry out some like beat up furniture and much to Pecom's delight, Kokoro does some oh, yeah. laundry by stepping in it, S- like squashing splish. grapes. Splish, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, the, the cute stuff they do with Kokoro is very cute. Like they're doing a good job with that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And you, you need that gift now or something? What was that? Yeah. Like her, like, like splashing in the laundry was just very funny to me. Okay. Well, I was just like, whatever. But this made me laugh when Pe- when Peckerine flips when they she, they realize they don't have a table to eat at. <laughs> yeah. So she chops down a tree and starts to make her own. I was like, God damn. Dude, how talented is this fucking girl? She literally chops down a tree and then makes a goddamn table out of it within like a few hours. It's ridiculous. She's got some carpentry skills, man. Yeah. Um, Kokoro also leaves to go to the market and get ingredients. And like while away, uh, Carol starts cleaning a bathroom after she checks out for bugs, snakes, and ghosts. <laughs> and like <laughs> Carol just has this weird bug phobia, which is a constant joke, and it's pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. In town, Kokoro meets the head of an orphanage, head of the orphanage named Saren. That's the name of the girl. Mm-hmm. She also used to be the captain of like some knights or something like that. I don't know if it's even important yet. 
but she's currently running like a bazaar to help with the orphanage. And when her maid named uh, Suzume comes flying by with an out of control donkey with a hilarious face, uh, but they get it under control and Saren tells her to take Kokoro and her things back to the guild house. Go away, Chio. Yeah. Trying to oh, podcast. By the way, oh, and by the way, those two girls that they introduced, like, because this is a Psy Games game, they are ridiculous voice talent. So, like, Saren is Yui Horie, uh, who was, by the way, also voiced Wiz in Konosuba. So it's, like, kind of like nice. a reunion. And okay. Suzume is Aoi Yuki, like, who is, like, a fucking huge voice actor. So, yeah. What was that, Kat? I said I didn't know that they were that famous of voice actors, but that does make sense. Mm-hmm. It, this yeah. show is so well animated. I mean, I, I can't see why they wouldn't get good voice talent for it. Yeah. And, and Psy Games has a lot, a lot of money. So Yes. I'm sure they're voicing the characters in the game as well. So like, They have probably all that sense. Rage of Bahamut money. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I will sadly say I did give them a lot of my money. <laughs> Back in the day when I played the mobile game. Uh, yeah. It's been many years. Uh, they quickly get like a little lost in the woods and they're kind of scared. And then like the Suzume, it just goes straight to her head and she loses it and runs away and like spooks the donkey who runs off. Uh, but she trips very quickly and like they hear some rustling in the bushes so they are like, maybe it's the donkey. So Kokoro makes a lasso and ropes, whatever it is. And like, she's choking a fucking llama named a uh, Lima, <laughs> which is funny, just funny on itself. Uh, this Lima character, she really cares about her looks and being fashionable and all kinds of stuff. But apparently, she spits whenever she gets excited, which is kind of <laughs> funny because it's like Kokoro and the other girl, like. <laughs> but she's like, "All right, I'll, I'll help you guys pull your cart," because she like works on some farm nearby. Uh, in a way that would give people at OSHA a heart attack, Carol stacks chairs so that she can have Yugi clean some windows high up while she <laughs> holds them. But then, like, a centipede, like, crawls up her leg, and she's like, ah! And the chairs come falling down, and Yuki hits the floor and falls unconscious. But while unconscious, he meets Ames, that weird godlike Machina character. Who I also found out is voiced by Rie Takahashi, who played Megamine in Konosuba, so... Another Konosuba one coming back. <laughs> I'm all for it, man. Uh, but she gets all cryptic on him. Like, the people in this world believe they know the truth, but they don't. The girls he meet have will help him solve this mystery. They'll have their own past missions. And Carol's is apparently maybe a little more important than the other girls for some reason. It's just it's just yeah. cryptic nonsense, just stuff that makes you ask more questions. Uh, also, there's like in that scene before where Carol was like up on the chairs before she fell off, she was saying something to Yuki, and Yuki just goes to her, I don't know what you're talking about. Are you smart? <laughs> like, just fucking died. <laughs> I fucking love Yuki, man. I can't, I can't tell you how much I love his stupid, I stupid dialogue. I hated him at first, but I really like him now. I see what they're going for with him, and I think it's really cool. Uh, <laughs> So Yuki wakes back up and Pecorine has finished the table and they try to take him inside, but it won't fit. Uh, I have done my fair share of moving and you would be surprised at what you can get through any door. Uh, I can yeah. also clearly see how they can get it through. It's very oh, how? simple. You put it on side, you angle it a little bit. So a leg can go through, straighten it back out, move to the other leg, and then you angle it again and pull it the rest of the way in. That, I think they did a pretty decent job. I think they did angle it at one point in that montage, and it just like couldn't do it. They I don't did know. it. They didn't do it the way that I that described it. Would it. Work. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Like a table yeah. is something very easily to get inside, and like they just yeah. they just failed at it miserably. 
It seemed like there should be a way, but they could not figure it out. Yeah. So their new friend, Lima, and the other two are making their way through the forest when they get attacked by bandits. Uh, the bandits decide they're going to capture Rima and sell her to a circus. And they're like all crawling over, trying to like pull her down. But she's like just too strong. And she's like, ah. And they're like, ah, your fur, we can't get a hold of. And then one of them's like, <laughs> calls her a donkey. She's like, just stop moving around, you stinking donkey. And then she's like, flips. Oh, what was in the back and future? Nobody calls me chicken. <laughs> Basically, that's this. Uh, and yeah. like she flips and like destroys them with a blast that would make Megumin proud. <laughs> uh, and like the fight worked up her appetite. So she decides to eat this apple she has. The apple turns out to be a metamore apple, which allows her to turn into a llama girl. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear cat sign now. Like God, damn. Like, so like, now we're allowed to sexualize her. Yay! <laughs> I had already been like comparing to her to Philo from I, I thought, Hero. I thought you were about to say I was already sexualizing her. <laughs> no, no, I was like, oh, she reminds me of Philo, and then like she turned into a human girl, and I'm like, okay, she really is Philo. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, so Cooker makes it back and Carol wants her to praise her for her clean job. And they also have like beef stew, beef stew for dinner that night. And this is where I learned that Beacom has never chopped wood in his entire life because he <laughs> nope. thinks that bit was a, a, a comedy bit. Yeah. Where like he chops halfway into the log and then raises the entire log with his ax and brings it down to chop through the rest of it. I thought that was, I don't know. I thought that was a comedy bit. I, I guess I've never chopped wood. So that makes sense. Cause like it does get mm-hmm. stuck if you don't go all the way through. Yeah, it, I guess it would get lodged in there. You, so yeah. What else are you going to do? The, yeah. the animated logs a little bit bigger than the log you would use. Oh, okay. Uh, sometimes because you can always like, move your one hand up the shaft and pick it up like really close to the blade oh yeah oh yeah so it's not yeah Yeah, move it up the shaft shaft. yeah and like so like this killed me so like i sat here for like three days trying to break this down and explain to becom why you do this i've never thought about this hard before i just have done it and it and it i one of the big reasons is uh you know hitting an axe on the exact same spot can be kind of hard and number two uh, it sometimes it takes really good effort to get the axe wedged back out, so you're easier just oh. lifting it up. And then since it's already mm. right there in that split of the wood, when you slam it back down, it's an easy break. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Then you're right. Yeah. So like when I saw that, like you said, you lost your shit. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, he also seemed like kind of out of control when he was doing it because he's such a fucking derp. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that makes sense though. Like that that is like a total technique that makes sense. Yeah, I was like I saw my dad do it, saw my uncles do it. I did it. I never questioned it or thought <laughs> hard about it. <laughs> but like one time there has to be like that log that like just comes free and the log falls on your head. <laughs> you don't hold it over your fucking head. Well, he did. That's why I was yeah, laughing. He, he, you don't go that fucking high. You 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 pull it up and away from you, but it's it, yeah. so if it falls off, it can still the worst fall can, off, I guess, and whack you in the face. The worst it can do is hit your foot. Oh, well, I don't know. It could, I could guess if it's like weirdly angled enough, it could hit you in the face, but it's still not going to hurt you that if bad. If you got that weird of an angle, you're going, you're pulling it out and going for a different chop. <laughs> okay. I thought I chop, 
Man, chopping it master Leo. It blows my mind that I have to explain how chopping wood works to somebody. <laughs> okay, wood chopping like, Leo like, to the rescue. I've never in my life needed to chop wood for anything. <laughs> uh, we have indoor heating where I live. I uh, grew up with a wood stove. I have stacked so much oh, goddamn shit. wood. Here comes I, Leo, wood nightmares. extraordinaire. He's like, I grew up with a wood stove, bitches. I grew up, you don't I grew know up me. with a, a gas stove. I lived out in the country, man. Sorry, I lived out in the country. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did too, but we we did have electric stove. But like, um, I've been camping and had to cut wood, so I kind of get what you mm. mean. But yeah, I don't know. I've always wanted to cut wood. It seems like kind of fun. But, it just yeah. makes you feel really manly. It's a manly thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lumberjack. Uh, only just one <laughs> other uh, short thing. Lima and Suzume join back up with Saren, so they're like they're kind of their own little guild now too. It seems. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, guys? Oh, there was one funny line when uh, the table wouldn't fit. Pecorini just says like, oh my, in English. It's it, <laughs> it really fun. good, yeah. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> oh, man. This show was just full of cute moments. It didn't like drive the plot forward that much, except for like, we got a table and our house is clean now. Like, that's about it. But And then we met Saren Suzume, they kinda, so. they kind of This episode, they just kind of got their base set up. You know, mm-hmm. it's where they operate yeah. from, so... Cool. Yeah. All right. We have a massive episode of Kaguya, uh, Love is War Season 2. Damn it. Uh, it was, this was a, a fucking fantastic episode. episode. Um, episode 4, I have so much shit to talk about, so I should just jump into this. Um, so Kaguya... You really had I've, to write this much for this? Oh yeah, my yes, God. I so actually fucking did. much. There are so you many want, things going uh, on. We're going to have to limit you a little bit, VCOM. Okay. Couldn't you just have contacted them for the script and just copied and pasted it? I, I should have. But it I, might have been I, shorter. I wrote more than what is in the script, unfortunately. So, <laughs> uh, so Kaguya, after telling Miyuki she wants him back as the president, uh, she's like sequestered herself in her bedroom for three days, face down in a fucking pillow, too embarrassed to like see anyone. And Hayasaka gets frustrated with her lack of progress. Yeah, I love that know. she's kind of disgusted by it. <laughs> yeah. And Kaguya's like, oh yeah? Do you think you could do any better? And Hayasaka's like, I probably could. And annoyed, Kaguya's like, okay, then go for it. Um, so Hayasaka dresses up as a schoolgirl <laughs> and finds Miyuki at a bookstore where he recognizes her as Smithy A. Harsaka. Uh, which is funny. And she like skillfully appeals to like Miyuki's desire to teach people uh, by asking him to like show her what laptop she should buy from this like magazine she picks up. And Kage is getting like really frustrated because she's like, oh, she's so good uh, with the ease that she's just manipulating Miyuki to do what she wants. And so Kage is sure like, oh, Miyuki will see through her lies, though, about like her family and like how she has a part time job as a maid and all this stuff. But Hayasaka is telling like these big lies that are very convincing. If you don't like know what's going on, he's just totally oblivious. Um, and he even respects the fact that she's going to buy her own laptop instead of mooching off of her parents because, you know, he's very frugal, of mm-hmm. course, as we know. Uh, so Hayasaka continues acting all cutesy. She's like, oh, I love these cute animal videos. And Kaguya's like, she watches videos of things being crushed by hydraulic presses. <laughs> That's what she watches. I watch God those too. <laughs> well, <laughs> those videos well, are kind of great. Yeah. Some of them are fun, like the ones where they crush soda cans and stuff. Those can be interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's totally fun. Yeah, yeah. 
like crush anything with those. It's just very satisfying. I also to see watch the ones where they put it in like this metal type grinder thing. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't think well, I've seen it blends. That. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she uh, she decides to pick a computer based on its looks. She's like, oh, I'll just pick the cutest looking one. And Kaguya's like, you literally make PCs at home, Hayasaka. And it's just, it's so funny. Um, so Hayasaka then like pretends to fall asleep from the exhaustion of her 10 hour work days. And she like dedicates to this fucking bit because she's she stays there pretending to be asleep for three hours while he's sitting next to her, like pretending that constantly like, taking peeks at him. Yeah, yeah, constantly peeking. Like, when should I wake up? When should I wake up? I don't know why she decided to wait three fucking hours. That's a long time, but she's just very dedicated. Um, and he's like, I can't leave her here. She'd be defenseless, uh, and he respects her, her work ethic. Um, so Hayasaka then kicks it into full gear and asks Miyuki if he wouldn't mind going out with her and tries to make it seem like really convenient for him. Like we could just be like 90% friends and like 10% dating. And Kaguya is like, I need to intervene. She's killing me here. Like I need to stop this. When Miyuki finally just says, no, no, uh, there's somebody else I like. Sorry. And rejects Hayasaka. It's a really weird thing to set up to see what he's going to do. Like, I guess it does get what she wanted happening to happen. Yes. Like him thinking about how he likes her. But it's just so involved and strange to, to set all of that up. I don't know. It is. And I think part of it is to set up, like, a rivalry. <laughs> like, because Hayasaka, like, in the next scene, like, she gets all teary-eyed when she meets with Kaguya afterward, who, and Kaguya's, like, trying to, like, act pompous like she won. And Hayasaka's like, if I had a month, like, he would be mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, she's she's definitely, like, taking this as, like, an insult to her pride now, and she's gonna keep going at it, it seems like. So, Kaguya might have made a big mistake, <laughs> is what I think. Uh, so, yeah, the start of the second part is kind of cute because Chika's trying to convince Miyuki to let her deliver his campaign speech for the student, student council re-election because she's, like, very charismatic. She can appeal to the old bloods, as they call them, who are the people who've been at Shuchin Academy, like, forever and, like, don't really accept Miyuki, who's, like, a newcomer, basically. And so the real fun thing about the scene is it's like a total homage to Bakemonogatari episode one and also other parts of Bakemonogatari cinematography. Like there's the ahoge little hair that pops up from Miyuki's head, just like Araragi. Um, there's when they close their eyes in extreme close up, there's a sound effect that plays. It's not the camera shutter, like in Bakemonogatari, it's a different sound effect, but it's still like the same thing. And then like the most obvious thing is Chika who is playing with her pen in the foreground, which is what Araragi is doing when he's talking to Hanakawa in episode one of Bakemonogatari throughout that whole scene. So it was just really fun. Like, I watched through all of Monogatari like a year ago, and to see this, I was just like, oh, this is very cute that they're just aping this scene like so perfectly. Um, and yeah, like Chika gets up from the desk and drops a whole bunch of school supplies out of her like little bag, which is to make her comparison to Hitagi's and Jokohara. So, yeah. Uh, so Miyuki turns down Chika and she says, like, I'm not voting for you then. Uh, and Miyuki goes to Shinomiya's classroom where Hayasaka, who is, like, looking different from before, like her other student form, basically, offers to help him. 
And it seems like she's still gunning for him, basically. And when he asks for Shinomiya, she, like, opens the door and they zoom in on her face. I have screenshots of this below for you guys, by the way. And she totally looks like Tanya from Tanya the Evil, which is, like, another cool reference that they made. Uh, just like the way her eyes are drawn. Tanya the evil? evil? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and her mouth, like her big mouth, like I thought that was a total to- uh, Tanya the evil reference for sure. Um, okay. I guess I could see it if I think about it like that. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't notice it at the time, but. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not as clear as the Bakemonogatari reference, like, but yeah, I think it's there. Um, and so Kaguya slinks over and asks Miyuki, like, what's this about? With, like, whispering to him. And he says, like, oh, I want to confirm our future plans, which that sets off a fucking wildfire of speculation among, like, all of the girls that, like, oh, my God, the two most famous students, like, might actually be dating each other. And they go, like, ask uh, Kashiwagi what she thinks. And she's like, I don't think they're dating, at least not yet. Um, and... Yeah, then there's like this fucking news broadcast and they're like, everybody, there's going to be a confession behind the school. It's Kaguya and Miyuki. And so like everybody meets outside and there's like all these students watching and all this stuff. And the it thing was very is, dramatic. What it, makes yeah. all this so much better is all the other students looking on and Chika fucks <laughs> yeah. Kaguya and Miyuki. <laughs> God, like when eyes. it's just those just two the on the screen, everywhere. the show is so bad for me. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say, Kat, as well? I love the eyes. Like, the eyes everywhere, like, in all the little windows and then behind <laughs> yeah. the, Peeking the bushes. Peeking out from the bushes and stuff, yeah. Everyone's just like, we must know what happens. What will be said? Like, <laughs> And Chica still thinks this is about, like, the student council. So she, like, yells out, you chose Kaguya over me. Can't you at least tell her? <laughs> uh, which everybody takes the wrong way. And they're like, oh, Miyuki was supposed to go out with Chica? Oh, no. Um, I love how like the camera's like swooping around the scene in 3D. It's so overdramatic. There's like this music theme that plays. It sounds like a little bit like The Godfather, which is weird. Like the theme from The Godfather, <laughs> just making it extra dramatic, I guess. Um, and Miyuki, with all that pressure, he like wonders for a second if he really needs to keep up this facade. Like he's wanted to confess to her this entire time. Uh, he thinks maybe this is the time to stop running away. And he leans in. And he whispers, I wanted to ask you to give my campaign speech. <laughs> oh <laughs> and my so God. I really like Kaguya's response to this, actually, where she's like, dear me, what am I going to do with you? My response to all your requests, be it the campaign, campaign speech or anything else, is yes, with pleasure. Uh. Uh, and so they both run away. Uh, the students like stampede. Uh, and then this, yeah, the third part of the episode begins. The election arc begins. Um, so we see a prediction poll. Miyuki's got like 58, 58% of the vote. Uh, but there's another girl uh, who we haven't been introduced to yet. We've just only seen in glimpses. Miko Ino. She has 30% and she's a first year. Um, and also, like, I noticed on the voting poll, like, more first years are voting for her than are voting for Miyuki. So that's that's telling if she can win over, like, the seniors she has a good chance. Um, and so Miyuki's like, yeah, you shouldn't get uh, overconfident before a campaign or anything. But internally, he's like, holy shit, I have this thing wrapped up. I don't even need a campaign. Because <laughs> he's like 28 points ahead. That's a huge margin. Uh, so you, though, recognizes Miko because he, he knows her. She's famous among the first years. And he decides to introduce Miyuki to show him like why she's famous. 
Uh, we find out she's at the top of her class, kind of like Miyuki is. Her father is a court of appeals judge, and she's on the disciplinary committee. Um, and at first, Miyuki's kind of prideful about how much taller he is than this girl. This girl's like four foot ten. Actually, she's like a hair shy of four foot ten when I put it in like a calculator. Uh, that's so, un- so unrealistic even for japanese people <laughs> japanese people are not four foot fucking ten all right i mean some japanese people uh, are four foot yeah. ten. some people so, can some be american cat. people are four foot ten but it's just a little unrealistic i don't know sometimes the whole i'm so short thing is fetishized a little bit yeah she's a super shorty for sure yeah <laughs> uh but it's funny because like uh, he, <laughs> they start talking and he starts like shrinking in front of her when she's like, oh, I've always been at the top of my class. And he thinks about how he had to like struggle to take the number one place. So mm-hmm. he's not really as smart as she is, I guess. And so she has all these ideals though. And she wants to give students more of a say in the policies of the student council. Uh, and she has this idea of who she wants for her vice president as well. And that would be Chica. Uh, and you and Miyuki are like, that's ridiculous. Why would you want Chika to be the vice president? And even, <laughs> even this, the, the girl's friend, like Miko's friend, Osaragi, with the, the mirror glasses, is like, oh, she's actually very qualified. Uh, she, has, she plays piano. She speaks five languages. Uh, she has average grades. <laughs> Chika's like, oh. Didn't she like, win a piano that? competition when she was younger or something like that? Yeah, and I think Miko had seen that and like looked up to her yeah. ever since that. So, yeah. Um. And so Chica's, like, pissed at the guys for, like, downplaying her talent. And, like, she goes over to Miko's side, like, immediately. He's like, yeah, we're going to beat you assholes. <laughs> um, and so Miyuki and Ryu, like, walk away defeated. And Miyuki's, like, starting to get worried. And then Yu's like, look at this flyer she was handing out, though. And on the flyer, her campaign pledges are like, we're going to have this school ordinance that all boys have to wear crew cuts and all girls have to wear their hair in pigtails or braids. Okay. Uh, So basically, she's (laughs) not a threat. Pigtails or braids? Hmm. I I can get behind this. Uh, Also, the girls need to wear skirts that are at least 10 centimeters below the knee uh, (laughs) to be proper. Uh, and they also are like, oh, we're banning cell phones and we're weekly, we're inspecting bags weekly. So it's like, you's like, you don't have to worry about her at all. <laughs> and so the episode ends with like Chica looking at this flyer and being like, what? I'm not betraying my friends. She like rips it up. And then Kaguya is like, where was everybody this entire skit? Because <laughs> she's been alone the entire time. Like, man, I, I loved this episode all the way through. Like, I loved all, like, the cinematic references that they were making. Uh, I think, I just thought, like, everything they were doing was, like, so well thought out. Um, and just really funny, like, consistently all the way through. It was definitely one of my favorite episodes of Kaguya so far. It, it definitely was a full episode. I found it ridiculous how quickly Chico was just like, well, I'll just change sides and be with these people. I was like, really? <laughs> like, she did think it through later, uh, but I was just like, Chica come move, on. if you ask me. Uh, mm-hmm. She's just such a shallow character. Like, she has no depth as a person. <laughs> All she is is, like, the surface level of surface. <laughs> That's yeah. what she is. You have to admit. Yeah, I mean, I will say she is smarter than Yuki from Princess Connector Yes, Yes. <laughs> she has that more is going on true. than he does. That, that is true. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not saying I don't like her. I'm just saying that oh, she yeah. has no depth. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> like, they, they randomly try to give her some depth from, depth from time to time. 
like in the episodes where she's like training Miyuki in the first season and like volleyball and stuff like that. And like they do stuff like that occasionally with her. But you're right. Most of the time she's just there for like, you know, comic relief, which which she's really good. at. But yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So Leo, you're still just like you're not enjoying the romantic aspects of like the main two at all. No, you're just fed up with them. Uh, no, I can't stand them. Yeah, they need I to make progress. That. This is, I will say, as a Japanese anime, romances in Japan have this problem in general, in Korea too, where it's just like, and it will never actually happen, but we'll just put all this romantic tension in there. And it's a little infuriating after a while. Yeah, I just get really frustrated with those two when it's, especially when it's those two on screen. When we throw mm. in some of the other characters, I think it helps a lot. Like, I love all these side characters but god damn the two main characters are awful just they, they keep they keep getting so close now though like both of them are they keep getting so close like i wonder uh, I if and it's going to break into something fucking kill me i think you <laughs> is even better this season <laughs> just, you you is definitely better this season so far i'm liking him more for sure um what do you think of a new girl besides her being kind of crazy about discipline? Do you do you like her so far or what? Uh, I don't think I've seen enough of her to like her. What about yeah. you, Leo? I have seen the next episode and she does get a lot more airtime and okay. Yeah. I, I I think she's pretty funny. Yeah. She act the next episode they actually have a scene where it, I actually liked Kaguya a little bit in it because of, oh, of Miko. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. I look forward to that. I haven't seen that episode yet, so I'm excited. Yeah, because we were supposed to record earlier, then Kat's like, eh, I'm going to do it later. So I worked on the next <laughs> Okay, but the you, next also, podcast you almost the whole time. also were like, oh, I don't think I can do it. Don't even lie. You te- You even messaged first. I was done yeah, on man. Friday. Now you now you see the inner the I inner fights that go on. was done yesterday, Kat. <laughs> yeah, we've had, a, we've had a hell of a time scheduling podcasts lately just because of crazy work schedules for well, various things. everyone's hosts. trying yeah. to work yeah, everyone's trying to like get past to the the time that we're not no I one's been at work almost yeah. swear between mine and cat's works they are collaborating collaborating <laughs> trying to stop us from recording it is awful oh i know because like you'll go into work and they'll be like oh and you have to do doubles for four days and you're like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to record the other day and you're like I'm still at work. I know. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, I have to print this before I go. Like, <laughs> it's oh, miserable. It's, yeah, this has been a very interesting recording season for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, All next right. show. One more anime to talk about, BNA. Uh, mm-hmm. Episode four, Dolphin Daydream. Can we, um, before we start... Yeah. Isn't it pretty common knowledge even for elementary school kids that know how dolphins and whales breathe i feel like there's probably some dumb kids out or dumb like high schoolers even out there who are like oh dolphins are fish right they probably have gills they can just like breathe in water i don't know (laughs) i feel like kindergartners know how Well, but even though like know that dolphins are mammals the audacity to just throw a living thinking breathing person into a tank and just be like i think that this is what's best for them is so bullshit. So bullshit. Well, like, that was part of the, the point of that, I guess, though, is that, like, they see these uh, beast men as, like, subhuman. 
Mm-hmm. And so they are treating them like total shit, like entertainment. And so, yeah, that, that is what like changes we're, that we're gonna girl's mind. We're going to get to it, but she goes, yeah. her, her defensive statement was, but she's a dolphin. Well, you <laughs> don't know how dolphins fucking work, apparently. <laughs> All yeah, right. that's such an ignorant thing to say. Yeah. All right, we'll get to it. <laughs> okay, so Mitru starts off the episode concentrating real hard, and she does like a backflip to try to transform back into a human, and it does not work at all. Um, she then gets called over to the city hall, where she receives like a certificate of residency for Anima City, and an insurance card also, uh, since she's now an official resident. Um, we find out that the internet access is somewhat restricted for Beastmen. Somewhat? Mitro, what? Somewhat? No, it's completely restricted. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of like Chinese internet censorship, but like maybe even more extreme because like it redirects like everything to the city hall website, which is fucking ridiculous. Like that's insane. Um, and so Mayor ba- Mayor Barbara she goes into this deep dive on beastman genetics. So we learn that beastmen are genetically different from humans because they have different DNA. They don't have human DNA. They have bee DNA, like beast DNA or whatever. Um, and their ancestors tried to model themselves after like the deities that were like beastly deities. Like, and so the beastmen of today are descendants of those types of beastmen. Well, like some of the examples they used was like the Egyptian god with the dog head. Yeah, like. Like, I don't know if that's Osiris or what I forget, but yeah, yeah I, think I think it's Osiris. Osiris. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Like all those or like uh, Greek deities and stuff. I don't know. Like mm-hmm. all sorts of like animal deities. Yeah. But then they, they make this big thing of like in terms of crossbreeding, though, say you had like a lion breeding with a tiger, you would not get a like a liger, like a mix. You would never get that. You would either get a tiger or a lion as a as a child. And so that's why Mitru is also so weird because, like, I guess, I don't know. Like, it's impossible for a human who lacks BDNA to turn into a beastman. Mm-hmm. And, and she doesn't have BDNA. And so that's super weird. They, like, analyzed her blood. And they, they tell her her cells undergo this, like, explosive mitosis whenever she changes form. Uh, so she's she's super weird. She, she's like a she's science She's super experiment. weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In general. Um, so Mary the Mink uh, finds Mitru outside City Hall and is like hey I got a cracked cell phone that can get outside of like the censorship of the internet and Mitru asks her like can you put this on Shiro's tab or something and she's like okay fine Um, and meanwhile Flip the mobster dude is cracking down on Kusakabe for screwing up uh, last episode and Shiro comes to try to interrupt because he has questions to ask Kusakabe about like all what happened and Flip is having none of that. He, he's he got, like, a rope tied to this chair that Kuzukabe's, like, sitting in, tied to. And he, like, lassos it around, like, a speedboat that's going by. And it, like, drags Kuzukabe into the water. And then you just see, like, a cloud of blood because it kills him somehow. I, uh, like, that, that was very unclear. Like, how did no, he no, die? No, 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 no. He yeah. lassoed the fucking propeller so the propeller pulled the rope in. Oh, so that's what that was supposed to be. That's I was like, what that was. Okay. Yeah. okay. That makes sense. There was like no, I don't, I feel like there was no corresponding sound effect. It reminds me of like, an, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it reminds me of an old Adams. <laughs> there was an Adam Sandler DVD that came out or, or not DVD, sorry, CD that came out like 
of like a bunch of skits that he did a long time ago. And there's this one skit in there where he's playing this guy that like throws his friend into like the propeller of his speedboat. <laughs> and his friend just makes the most fucking ridiculous screaming noises as he's getting chopped up. So I expected something like that, you know, like something realistic. <laughs> but I didn't hear that. So I was like, oh, how did he die? Um, so, yeah, uh, Michiru logs into Facebook uh, with her <laughs> new phone. Uh, she sees a bunch of birthday messages from her human friends. Uh, and she notices... A girl live streaming some makeup well, wait, tutorial. One of those messages is even her mom with a birthday cake. I which know. Is like yeah. Yeah, she she has sad. to like look and see if she's gonna favorite it, and I'm and I'm almost like, don't, because then your mom's gonna be like, where are you out there? Like, yeah, talk that was like right me. at the very end of the episode where she was I like, I, if she was gonna click to favorite her mom's message, and that was pretty sad. Like, but then I asked myself, like, does her mom know that she's like alive? This, this, what does her mom think is happening with Michiru? I think that's, Michiru just disappeared one day. So, yeah, that's what so, I assume too. Is that they don't know where she is? Yeah, or if she is alive, you know. So I guess her mom's probably holding out hope with this like birthday message. I guess that right. she's okay. Right. Weird. So, uh, yeah. So she notices this girl live streaming and sees that it's like at near a statue that she's sitting right next to. She goes up to this girl and she's like, oh my God, it's another human living in the city. Um, and she gets knocked out by somebody for approaching this girl. And when she wakes up, she's being scolded by this bodyguard for like approaching the daughter of the family, which is like the gang from last episode. It's the gang that <laughs> Flip is the head of also. Um, we find out later Flip is this girl's dad. Um, and Flip is a shark, which immediately, yeah. because of what we learned this episode, my brain goes, he fucked a dolphin. Uh, yes. <laughs> hey, I mean, dolphins are supposed to be really good at sex. I guess he just met her mom and was like, oh, yeah, she's fucking hot. It's a match made like, in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> she had nice flippers, you know? You, you oh, can't, yeah. can't knock yeah. it. Uh, so, yeah, this girl's name is Nina. And she's actually a Beastman dolphin, like we, like we said. And she's obsessed with humans and human culture, though. Like, she even pretends to be a human online, like, all the time. And so she has this box of, like, little human-related collectibles of things that have, like, <laughs> washed up on the beach or she's found. Like, and one of them is just, like, one earbud Which headphone. is so funny because that's, like, probably stupid stuff we've all done, like, collected yeah. little Japanese trinkets or just, like, fucking pointless to Japanese people, but we're like, we covet them. <laughs> I yeah. literally am holding a one yen coin in my see? hand right now. See? See? <laughs> That's my point. That's like really relatable. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, uh, it's funny. And so, yeah, because she sees the earbud headphone, Mitru flashes back and she's like listening to the ED from the show with her her friend Nazana, who we found out about like previous episode. She's like a um, rabbit thing, isn't she? Well, yeah, we haven't seen her transform yet, but like in the pictures for the show art, like I've seen her as a rabbit. So no, actually, we we, we, no, we, we did we, see her. We have seen yeah. her as a rabbit. Yes, yeah, very briefly we saw. Yeah, because we found out she's a beast man as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, Nina like asks Mitro if she wants to go back to the human world. And Mitra's like, well, I can't go back looking like this. She, like, clenches her fist like Arthur. <laughs> She's like, I want to go back. And somehow, this actually transforms her back into human form. I guess, this, like, her feelings were strong enough, finally, to get through. Uh, and I like the celebration she does. Like, 
especially the part where she starts putting on like different hats that she wants to wear and she's like she briefly for one second throws on the little witch academia hat and i was like yes oh i didn't catch that that's awesome oh you should go back it's great yeah it's just like a split second yeah uh and now that mitra can return to human society nina's like let's go to a party my my friend lisa is throwing a party like across the way uh, across the water so yeah and then we find out like flip is her dad because he comes home and he's like where's dina and so, she, he's such a dotting father too oh yeah he dotes all over yeah yeah he has like <laughs> bunches of presents in his arms he's just like oh i brought you the world my lovely daughter where are you yeah because we found out earlier he she was upset with him and it like bothers him yeah. really badly <laughs> yeah i think she says like i hate my dad like yeah she she does not like him at all uh, and I guess that probably has something to do with him hating humans, because she loves humans. So she's rebelling against him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, so at the party, Lisa finds Nina, and it's like their first time meeting in real life. I guess they've only communicated through online before. Uh, and Nina is like does a flip because she's so happy and accidentally turns into her dolphin form because she's so excited. But luckily, like, the people who are at this Beastman masquerade party, they seem to be, like, the flip side of Nina. Like, she's, they're as interested in Beastman as she is in humans, well, basically. Especially Lisa, because she's, first. like, Lisa's, yeah. like, wor- worried about, like, the plight that they're going through and all that shit and, like, how tough it's been for them and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, th- I think they're both worried, just as worried about each other, but... When, right. when you're not part, as we find out, when you're not part of a society, it's hard to understand them totally. And it's easy to sort of have a false idea of them or a very surface idea of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it that's what's goes going on. hand in hand, like the fear of the unknown, but also the curiosity about it yes. at the same time. Yeah. Um, I actually don't think these people are evil or anything. I just think that they don't understand a lot about Beastmen and they're a little bit e- ignorant about it. And it's hard to know a lot about what you aren't. So that's true. Yeah. You have to, you have to live with those people. You have to talk with them. You have to get to know them. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of bigotry for anything. Yeah. It's just like exactly. ignorance of it. Yeah. So Lisa brings Nina up on stage and like presents her as like the big beast man guest and the trout crowd like cheers her. And Lisa talks about like all the pain and suffering that Nina must have experienced because of discrimination. And Nina's like, not really like she's like she's kind of like sheltered probably like she probably hasn't faced much discrimination uh like living with flip basically who probably has protected her well then Uh, it's really interesting because then she just starts doing a whole bunch of tricks like you like if you'd gone to a zoo and watched a dolphin show yeah that was the weird part like that's that's where it got pretty uncomfortable like at the party when she's like doing tricks in the pool and everybody's sort of like cheering her on um, and like before that, like Mayor Barbara has spotted her on social media and seen her, like that Mitru is with her and like calls Shiro and is like, you need to go get them before Flip like finds out about this and goes there and like starts a war with the humans. Um, and like so Shiro like heads him off and he's like, hey, let me take care of this. Uh, it's like, if you, if you don't let me take care of this, I'm going to fight you right here. And he's like, all right, you have until midnight to take care of this, basically. Because, uh, like, yeah, it looks like Flip is just looking for any excuse. Uh, yep. And his daughter being over there is a good one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, the party's starting to feel weird. Like, there's this one scene where, like, Mitru goes to the bathroom. 
and like two girls wander in and they start talking about how like Nina is cool, but also kind of scary and how they could never actually live with Beastmen. And then, then oh, that's yeah. when you're like, oh, these people are fake. Like they, yeah. Yeah. they view her as an object of like interest. They don't view her as a person, um, which is sad. Uh, and yeah, Shiro calls me true at that point. It's like, you need to bring Nina to the harbor by any means necessary before Flip like starts flips. a war. Yeah, <laughs> before, before Flip, Flip flips. flips. Yes. Yeah. Before Flip flips. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lisa like thought Nina was like looking tired. So she threw like, yeah, that was her explanation for why she threw her into a seawater tank. Yeah. But she thought because, that she was oh, looking tired. You look tired. So I'm not going to ask you if you need anything. I'm not going to, I'm just going to assume that this is best for you and violently do it without asking God. you. <laughs> like, and not know that fucking dolphins breathe air because your defensive statement is because she's a dolphin. She'll be fine, right? You dumb <laughs> fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty disturbing. And she like starts like suffocating and trying to get out. And Mitru has to transform. Like she transforms her arm into like Popeye the Sailor Man yeah, or something. That's pretty apt. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It just punches the tank and it cracks open and uh, she comes like, spilling out. And, like, they, they just walk out of the party where everybody kind of, like, stares at them, kind of stunned about what happened. And Nina, they get on the speedboat with Shiro, and they're, they're on their way back uh, to Anima City. And Nina's like, I don't regret visiting the humans. Like, it was cool. Like, it was, like, sparkly and fun like I expected. So, like, there, there could be something there. Like, I'm not, like, totally wrong to like what I thought I liked about them. And yeah, and she's like, Mitru, don't worry, you shouldn't have stopped me. You couldn't have stopped me. Yeah, I I liked that she didn't come away from this so negative about it. Yeah, it's not like a binary, like, oh, I just hate all humans now. Like, I would have understood if she came away, like, thinking that too, but she's a little bit more reasonable. Um, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And yeah, Mitru decides for herself, like, I don't want to go back to the human world yet. Like, I think I owe it to myself to learn about Beastmen now. And try to solve these, like, problems. Like, because obviously there's a divide here that needs to be patched up. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and finally, like, the Sylvester president, he's taken an interest in Mitru and Shiro. We see at the end, because he's, like, seen the pictures of them online. And, yeah, like we said before, like, Mitru saw that post on Facebook from her mom with the birthday cake. And, like, hovers her thing finger over liking it, but then decides not to. Yeah. Because she's not ready to go home yet, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought that was a pretty interesting episode. Like, just exploring, just like discrimination, uh, like more about learning more about like how the Beastmen came to be, like genetically, and like what that is all about, and how Mitru differs from that, which is interesting. Which I definitely think continues to feed into my theory that like the weird dudes at Sylvasta were. Like experimenting on her or whatever. Oh yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I don't know. I think it might have been they were trying to to teach humans, you know, more about beastmen by making them like beastmen or something. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I should expect a good anime from Studio Trigger. They usually hit it on the head, so yeah. they're, they're doing a good job with it. For it's sure, aliens so with coins that can grant <laughs> you powers and trans- oh, transform you into monsters. <laughs> Gleipnir and VNA. Gleipnir and VNA are just related. They're the same anime. <laughs> this is God. the same universe. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, oh. 
Yeah, Bienna is the Saturday morning cartoon version of Gleipnir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. All right, any, any other thoughts on that episode? No, I'm enjoying the series as a whole. It's it's not... Mm-hmm. I, I was not excited about it at first because I was like, oh, another like human-animal thing. We already had mm-hmm. one of these recently. But it's its own thing, for sure. I did that too, but then I saw it was Trigger, and I'm like, all right, they're going to do something weird, so... Yeah. Let's watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that uh, winds us down for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube. You can get updates there on our new podcast or videos. Uh, You can also find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And uh, follow us over on Twitter at Nerddom and Other for updates as well. Uh, Nerddom with 1D. Somebody asked me recently. It's like, it's 2Ds or 1D? And it's like, yeah, it's 1D. Um, come hang out on our Discord. Uh, we always are chatting there about everything that's going on, including some of the shows that we've been catching up on, like Kakushi Goto and Arte and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be putting some thoughts about Arte in the Discord probably right after this. But yeah, with all that, we will see you next time. Later. Yep. Bye. See you.